Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Empath. Things may sound a little different over here, and that's because they are. Not only has the show rebranded into the Uncensored Empath, but we have also joined an amazing podcast network called Soul Fire Productions. I recently had the opportunity to meet Kelly and Connor in person here in the Denver area and be on both of their amazing shows. And you guys, they are amazing people. I just felt so welcomed into their home and they also abide by my my own uncensored approach to podcasting and to speaking the truth and having really real, raw honest and open conversations that I know you guys want to hear and that is different than your cliche conversations that just stay on the surface level because it is so important to me to go deep and to be able to unearth new truth, new perspective, new understanding, new healing modalities consistently on this show and to always remain true to myself and my morals, my values, my integrity is more important than anything. And 
part of what really inspired me to say yes to this opportunity of joining Soulfire Productions was Kelly and Connor's energy. They just exude this really amazing, welcoming, and real real authentic energy and their expertise is all around getting important messages out into the world and growing audiences on podcasts so more people can tune in and hear these messages that are so important to me and it's part of my mission and legacy that I want to leave on this world to continue to speak truth and to have these open honest raw conversations so I cannot wait for the uncensored empath to blossom and grow even more. And thank you to all of you who have been tuning in from the beginning and to every single one of you who has ever shared the show on your social media or sent a link to an episode that you know will resonate with a friend. The content of the show is remaining primarily the same, but you can expect even more amazing guests, higher quality editing, because I am no longer going to be doing that solo. I have up until this point. And you can also expect just more opportunities to receive support and even discounts on my my favorite holistic, sustainable brands. So the uncensored empath is a merging of my two worlds, two worlds that you probably already hang out in, but there felt like there was a a bit of a disconnect. And now I get to merge these two pieces together to be congruent across the board. So those two worlds were the empowered empath, my social media brand and account, and the podcast, which was previously Healing Uncensored. And so bringing those together, we create the uncensored empath. And you know, your girl doesn't hold back on any of these shows, any of these conversations. And you guys really get to see into a window of my life. I mean, I've come on and I've shared so much of my personal healing journey, uh, my personal money story, my personal business building experience, and of course, the loss and grief that I've personally experienced and struggled with. And Again, it is so important to me to continuously show up in a way that is authentic, that you feel like we know each other, that we're sitting down to chat. And I've had people who I've had the opportunity to meet in real life or even just over video chat be like, I feel like I know you. And that's the goal here is I want you to feel so connected. I want to be your your no BS soul sister that allows these conversations to just be meaningful and be memorable for you. So the archetype of the uncensored empath is someone who is highly sensitive, feels the world deeply, and speaks her truth in order to shine her light on the world unapologetically because there's not anything to be fucking sorry about when you're speaking your truth. So expect even more amazingness to come. And I just, I can't wait for where this evolution is going to take us. And I want to just pause for a moment and thank you for your continued support and love. It means the freaking world to me. And I just can't wait for what's next. So Without further ado, here is the first episode of The Uncensored Empath. 
Today's guest is Annalise Brett-Hauer. She has been a Crohn's disease warrior since 2017, and in 2019, she left her corporate financial planning position that she'll talk about today in order to start her own wealth management firm. And this has given her the opportunity to specialize in helping families managing chronic disease with their money. She believes it's important for everyone to talk about money, health, and wellness, and wants to change the perception that money is scary. Because girlfriends, money doesn't have to be scary. And while I've certainly talked about money on the show before, today's episode is different in that we're specifically talking about managing your finances and finding stability within your money as a whole in order to be able to support your health and your wellness. So she's going to talk about setting up banking structures that help set you up for spending success, how to automate your savings, how to be in the driver's seat of your health journey, and her own experience in managing her finances with a chronic illness, Crohn's disease of her own. I know you guys are going to take away a lot of tangible tools, so pull out your notebook, pull out your pen, and let's dive in with Annalise. All right. Welcome to the show, Annalise. I'm so excited to have you on today. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I've been following you. Love your work. You're amazing. Thank Mm. you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm sure I'm going to learn, like I was saying before we pressed record, so much from you today. And this is a topic that I think the listeners are going to be really interested in. You are not only a Crohn's disease warrior, but you are also on a mission to help families manage chronic illness with their money because I'm sure the majority of people listening right now completely get it. And they know that When you go on a health journey, it does oftentimes require an investment of not only time and energy, but but money to to get well and to get back on that into that place in your life where you feel like you're thriving and not just surviving. So what inspired you to because I was reading in your bio, you used to work in a more corporate uh, position. What inspired you to leave that position within financial planning and focus more on serving families that are going through chronic illness? Yeah, I, I would say it started with less of an inspiration and more of a need. Mm. I found myself loving my job. When I say myself, I really say what I mean is my brain. I loved my job. I loved my coworkers. I loved everything I was doing there. And at the same time, my body was suffering immensely to the point where, honestly, I couldn't even put on pants in the morning. I was in so much pain um, and worried about in a client meeting, if I'm going to have to run out, all those things that come with Crohn's disease. Yeah. And that experience um, kind of stems from, I have dyslexia as well, and growing up, I learned that the way to kind of overcome my dyslexia was just to work harder Mm -hmm. than everybody else. And so I created this dynamic in my life where I worked so hard and ignored everything that was happening in my body. Mm -hmm. And and the, the scary part is it served me so well through school and the start of my career until it didn't anymore. 
so I came to recognize this issue and I didn't know what to do about it. I had, I, the only place I knew where to start was to get a therapist. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Uh, and working with her for probably close to a year before I actually left my previous position, started to learn how to be present in my body. And I am nowhere near an expert at doing it, but I at least know how to listen mm -hmm. now. And so that led me to realizing that I needed to make a change to have a sustainable career. Yeah. And I needed to focus on learning how to do this and support my body so that I can be a financial planner forever because I love it. And that was the impetus for deciding to leave that position and start my own business to help people just like me. Congratulations on making that change. I'm sure it was um, not the easiest decision to make, but also one that ultimately, like you said, you want to be able to do this forever. And so needs to be in an environment that allows you to thrive. And for so many people listening, I think they're probably listening and tuning into this episode, especially if they don't listen to all my episodes and they just like picked one randomly. If that's you, I see you. <laughs> but they may be tuning in because money is scary, yet they want to learn more about it and they want to feel more empowered around money. But in this moment, talking about money, looking at a bank account kind of freaks them the F out. So how do we start to release some of the fear around money as a whole? I just got goosebumps as you were saying that because I think that's something everyone can relate to. And they're going to relate to money being scary in their own way. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a tension that comes along with money. And especially when you talk about money and health, uh, because our health comes first, of course. But the society we live in, we financial stability is important. Mm -hmm. And finding health, you need financial stability. And so I talk to clients about creating very simple habits. A great place to start is just getting comfortable opening your bank app. Yeah. I just, used to dread that, dreaded it, avoided it at all costs. And when I, I, now I look at it every single day, but oh my, and it's empowering, but I can still put myself back in those old shoes of being like, just terrified of looking. And I, I don't even really know how to fully explain it other than I think I knew I wasn't going to see what I wanted to see. So I just took that strategy of avoidance to like, not have to pretend like it wasn't real when it's very much a part of our day-to-day -day life, like we need money to be able to buy food and, you know, live. So that was your first tip was start opening up your bank app. Yep. And you're exactly right. Everybody has the same experience and it, it's almost like if you don't see it, it's not real. Yes. Until, until you get that credit card bill and you're thinking, how in the world did I spend that much money? Mm -hmm. And and so and don't even go there, you know, just start with opening the app and you're going to feel that tingly, scary feeling. But once you've opened it every single day for a couple weeks, a month, that's going to go away. And naturally, when you open up the app, you're going to be curious because you see the number. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so maybe you just start with opening and closing it. But once you start to get comfortable, you will naturally click on, you know, the credit card, click on the bank account. Um, and that, that's what leads you to that awareness. Mm-hmm. Recently, I've um, come to believe that awareness is a destination, not a step on the journey. Mm-hmm. It's more of the state of being. And I think when you, yeah, when you look at and you are more aware of what the numbers are, then you can start to make more empowering decisions with your money because you are aware of what's there, what's coming in, what's going out instead of being at the grocery store or wherever. And like, girlfriends listening, like I have been there. I get this. You're at the grocery store and you're like either opening up your bank account to see if you have enough money to pay for it. Is that card going to go through or you're swiping it like kind of sweating and being like, shit, I hope this goes through. And that feeling sucks. Like it's not Mm -hmm. a good feeling. And I have been there like my early to mid twenties. I struggled with money and was very disempowered by it. But that awareness really helped me grow into a place of feeling empowered and being aware of where my money was going and the places also where I was overspending (laughs) and kind Mm of uh, being able to cut back on that as well. Yep. Yep, exactly. My husband and I do something that I teach clients to do as well, which is have financial planning Saturday. Mm. So I I, I like tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this was something we started when we were engaged um, and we merged our budget together before we merged our finances. Mm -hmm. Uh, I recommend that to other engaged couples as well. But essentially you take five to 15 minutes. It doesn't take very long every single Saturday. And it's your time that you've set aside to, to look at what you spent last week, what's coming up next and where you need to adjust. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're doing this every week, you're course correcting. And by the end of the month, you know exactly where you stand. Um, And it becomes easy, you know, financial planning Saturday for us now is five minutes because we've been doing it for a couple of years. Yeah. But, but it's just getting in that habit uh, of facing the music. Mm -hmm. And when it's only been a week, you have so much time to course correct and adjust. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought up that you bring your husband or at that time, you know, fiance into the conversation, because that's something that my husband, Andrew and I did when we were, we started living together, we merged budgets and then we actually still haven't merged our like accounts yet, but we very Mm -hmm. much like are on the same page with where my bank account looks like and his bank account looks like and all the other accounts we have and how that plays out. And it's, it's so important I think to be on the same page and not because when we first started dating before we lived together, it was such an untalked about thing. And I don't think you have to talk about this on your very first date or anything. But uh, once we moved in together, it was like, no, I, I need to know, like, what is your what do your finances look like so that we can make sure that we're making smart choices. And I was sharing with you before we started recording that I recently ran more lab tests. And so he's never dated somebody with chronic illness, let alone live with somebody with chronic illness before me. And I think he was appalled at first, full transparency, he's like super appalled at how much I invested into my health. I mean, it started mm-hmm. with, you know, hiring practitioners that were not covered by insurance because they're more holistic practitioners or going to acupuncture appointments. And now we go to the 
chiropractor every week together, but that's something we pay out of pocket for as well. And he loves, he loves it now, but there was all these things that I was investing in. And more recently I just ran over a thousand dollars worth of labs and I just hired an, a rehired a practitioner who I love for um, almost two grand. And so there's money that is kind of constantly being invested. I like to use the word invested versus like spent or used or the price of that. Like it's very much an investment in my health. And you already mentioned that's one of the most important places we can invest in ourselves is our health so that we have health to be able to do other things in our life. But in a partnership or part of a family, he definitely uh, sees me spending in these areas. And it's not that he's saying don't spend Sarah because he supports me, but it kind of stresses him out because he doesn't spend nearly as much money on his health. He just doesn't, it doesn't require that. So Mm -hmm. my question to you, I'd love to hear your take on being in a partnership and with one person who does have uh, a lot of health expenses and how you start to navigate that both on the budgeting financial planning side, but also as in a partnership or in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love this. And it's such a natural lead to talk about um, your banking structure, which is how I like to teach people to budget. Um, so your banking structure, it's that's just a fancy way of saying, what kind of bank accounts do you have and how are you using them? Okay. Like checking, so, savings, credit card. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I teach a four bucket or five bucket um, savings banking structure approach. So bucket one is your spending account. This is usually a um, checking account where you're doing your day-to-day spending, your debit card purchases, your ATM withdrawals, groceries, gas, that sort of thing. Account number two is a storage account. So this is for things that come up during the year that aren't don't happen every month. So maybe as property taxes, if Mm -hmm. you own a house or if you pay your car insurance every six months, maybe it's car insurance, Um, holiday spending, your Christmas spending or whatever holidays that you celebrate. Account number three, uh, your savings account. This is for long-term savings, um, things like buying a house, starting a business, uh, that sort of thing. And then four, your emergency account. This is your buffer account, no matter whether you do have a chronic health condition or not. Um, ideally, you have six months of living expenses there. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth bucket, which is really important for us with chronic disease um, and, and ma- managing illness, is your health bucket. So my husband and I decide a dollar amount every month that goes into that bucket. And I'm not spending that dollar amount each month. Um, but it's building up so that when I do want to, you know, like you said, I've spent $1,100 a month <laughs> a couple months ago. This is when I implemented the health bucket yeah. and um, said, oh my goodness, this is so worth it, mm-hmm. but there needs to be a plan. Yeah. And when that, when that money is set aside, you don't have to talk to your spouse. Okay. We have $10,000 in our checking account. What's going where you're making the bank remember for you. Mm-hmm. And so I find that to be a successful way to, to start that conversation with your partner. That's really helpful. And I think that really 
breaks up the those buckets like you called them into easy to understand easy to visualize spaces and and how we're spending and it seems like depending on each individual's life and lifestyle that could be altered or shifted a little bit or tweaked based on like what are the expenses that you have what is most important to you in your life and i'm also curious to know from coming from the you know financial planner mindset what is your opinion on having a credit card and managing a credit card? Good question. I think credit cards can be extremely useful. And um, the, even though I'm not a huge fan of the FICO score, um, it's required mm -hmm. to do things like buy a house and get right. a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so building credit is important. Um, but you have to know yourself. So are you, do you have a spending money personality and a credit card is tough for you? Maybe you give yourself a much lower limit, um, than, than the credit card has. And what I say, when I say that, I don't mean you call up the credit card company and say, Hey, I don't want a thousand dollars in my credit card anymore. I want 500. I'm talking about making that mental shift. Mm. Because the more credit you have available and the less you're using it, the higher your credit score is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm a fan of credit cards, but I'm a fan of careful credit card use. If you can't afford to pay off your credit card, it's probably not, you're probably not quite ready mm -hmm. to take on that credit card because mm -hmm. the interest rates can be, you know, 20 plus percent, which you're never going to get in any you know, market investment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure there's a million different opinions on credit cards. And mm -hmm. I take, and you know, not having a financial background, but I take this approach of, I'm very grateful for how credit cards have helped me start and invest in my business in a way that mm -hmm. like, I didn't have the cash funds to do that when I got off like first started, but, sure. and, and I'm also grateful for like my Amazon prime credit card because I get 5% back on all my Amazon and whole foods purchases, <laughs> which I, then I make money back. Cause then I just pay it off at the end of each month. And it makes so much sense to get the points and the rewards. But I've also, as I mentioned, and more in my like early mid twenties, depended on a credit card where mm -hmm. I was not making enough to pay my basic needs, my basic expenses. And so again, there's gratitude for then being able to have that credit, but then it added up and it added up and it added up and it became really stressful for me. It really started to um, be this burden and this thing that within my own money story and my own money beliefs, like I thought that, Oh, you know, I'm so irresponsible about money, which, uh, you know, I just didn't know. I was still learning like how to, what my relationship with money was. And you mentioned though, that there's a way to automate your savings so that you don't have to think about it. I saw that in the mm -hmm. notes and I would love to hear how do you automate your savings? It's something I think I can get better at. And I think that if there is anyone listening who, um, has credit card debt, they're probably wondering, uh, how they could either automate savings or start to pay off that debt before they get into the, like the savings mentality or savings mode. So I'd love if you had tips on one or maybe it overlaps between both of those around automating savings and paying off the debt. Yeah. I kind of want to close the loop a little bit on, on the credit card mm -hmm. question, because I think part of being a good financial planner is not having judgment. And yeah. 
and anybody, uh, I mean, I have my own money story and my own personal relation relationship with money, but I think a lot of us can, I call it work mode. You know, you kind of get into that headspace and that mindset of what, how you need to show up for your clients. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a potential client of yours or any financial planner. And if I were considering hiring a financial planner and I had this fear that they were going to judge me or tell me that I was shitty with money or, oh my God, how, how did you ever get into this place? I would feel so much shame and so much judgment that I wouldn't want to work with that person. So I think yes. it's a, so important, like you just said, to not only for the client to be able to feel safe, but then for you to take that non-judgmental approach of like, I'm just here to help you. Like, I'm just here to get you feeling better about money, not to like rag on you about what the relationship has been up until now. Exactly. Financial planning is about looking into the future and planning for the future, uh, not about reliving the past, Yeah, you know? And I think the important part is I, I love when clients are just going to put it all on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of my job is to make sure that they can trust me so that they can tell me about all of the purchases that they may or may not wish they had made. Yeah. <laughs> and then what do we do from there? Because part of my fulfillment as a financial planner is to educate and inspire people to change their behavior so that they can use their money to live intentionally. Mm-hmm. Money is just paper or yeah. numbers on a computer these yeah. days. Yeah. I tell people, I'm like, it's just neutral energy. We attach mm-hmm. emotion or meaning to it, but at its core, like it is just a piece of paper or a number on a computer that only has the energy that we give it or the power. Cause a lot of us give it so much power that, that it doesn't inherently have, but that we give to it in our own minds. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So back to the automating savings question. Yeah. The way I like to do it and the way I teach clients is to, and this is, this is a trial and error process because setting up a budget, figuring out what I call it a spending plan. I like the terminology better, but how much should go into each of your buckets, mm-hmm. each of your accounts is you're not going to know at first. You're, you're going to make your best guess. So there's going to be this trial and error process until you find a ratio that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, each day you get paid. So if you get paid twice a month, you'll have automated transfers twice a month. You'll set up an automatic bank transfer from your checking account or wherever your paycheck is going into each of your accounts. Okay into your other budgeting accounts. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, if I wanted to spend uh, $400 a month into my health account, I would just go into the banking app and set up an automatic transfer on, let's say I get paid on the 7th for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So it does two things. One, if you're checking your banking app every day and looking at your checking account, you're not spending that money you've allocated for elsewhere. Right. And two, you get, you get so used to it that it becomes expected. And over here, you know, you're, you're saving and it doesn't, it doesn't feel negative. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like that I don't have it set up exactly like that. This is really helpful, but I think that being a very visual person, even looking at my online banking and the way I currently have set up, it would be so much easier if there were more buckets to be like, okay, so that I'm not looking at one um, some value in trying to consider, well, X amount of this is going to go to my practitioner that I owe X amount each month and X amount is going to go here. And so then after all that, how much is left and like, what does that look like? And instead visually, even it would be easier to look at and figure out how much is in each bucket. And then what are the expenses for that month within each of those categories? Yep, exactly. And if you're someone like me who gets nervous when you spend big chunks of money, whether it's on health or something else, when you've designated it into its own bucket. So for example, I am going to another colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And so I am building up a bucket that is basically for that. So that when it Sexy. comes around, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. um, and it, I need another one and I know it's going to cost, you know, $4,000. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there. Yeah. So there's no, there's no uh, anxiety that comes along with, with making that choice. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, like, you know, time out for a hot second because I don't want anyone who's listening to feel shame that they, you know, might be hit with an unexpected health bill and not have mm-hmm. that 4,000 or 1,000 or however many dollars like already saved up. Like you guys, it's okay. We're just mm-hmm. giving these tips and you know, talking to Annalise today to help empower and educate so that in the future, like we were just saying, you're not judging anyone on their past, past decisions. And instead, like, how can we feel more empowered around money moving into the future? So that's not so scary and that we can have more conversations around it. So that also brings me back to that debt question, which I think when I've talked to potential clients and clients that I've worked with within the empowered empath community, so oftentimes people will share financial stuff with me. And if they do have credit card debt, they share it in a very like burdened, guilty way. Well, Sarah, mm-hmm. I have this amount of, of credit card debt. How am, you know, I just feel so much guilt then investing in your program or in this healing opportunity because of this. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have my own response to them that is not, uh, you know, financial advice, but more of an ener- energetic advice. But how do you look at somebody's debt who's coming to you and just like, hey, please help me and create a plan to then get out of that place uh, that is not, you know, filled with guilt and shame and instead, okay, it is what it is. Now let's make a plan to get to move forward. Like, let's just make a plan to get you out of debt and in a place where then you can start to save more or be able to pay off more of your other bills or whatever that looks like. How do we start to make that plan? Yeah, Sarah, I'm glad you brought that up because we are talking about um, this from a lens of having financial privilege Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, And not everybody is in that position and that that's not the important piece of this. So if somebody was coming to me um, with a significant amount of debt, one, I love it when they're working with someone like you, because I think mindset is huge in being able to release all of that negative energy that's coming with whatever, whatever brought, brought you to this place. Yeah. Um, 
second, it's just to start. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if we're starting with $5 a month or we're starting with $500 a month or $5,000 a month or a dollar a day. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's the habit. It's the habit that changes um, the behavior because you have a system that supports it. Yeah. So it's just chipping away. And once you start that anxiety, that fear mm-hmm. is reduced and you will feel empowered, even if it, there's still a lot there and you have a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And you and I are here to remind them mm-hmm. of that because TV and social media and radio is are not. Mm-hmm. It's how do we consolidate? How do you get out? You know, it, and those things just perpetuate that fear and anxiety. You're right. And how often are people literally showing you behind the curtain? Like hardly ever does anyone be like, yeah, you want to look at my bank account and see how I have everything divided up and how much is in my savings and how much debt I have. Like we don't talk about this stuff. And so I, I see this perpetual shame that is building around money and what people think they're supposed to have or not supposed to have because we're not talking about it enough. And that's why I love having people like you on the podcast to have authentic conversations that do talk about money and allow us to, you know, acknowledge that maybe there is debt. And I think, I don't know the percentage, but there's a shit ton of people out there who have student, student loans that they're paying off because the astronomical cost of going to college and getting a degree or my husband and I both have our master's degree as well. And there's, there's debt associated with that. So I once heard, um, a money teacher share with me that, you know, Sarah, debt is a neutral choice to pay something off over time. Like that's it. It's just a Mm -hmm. choice to pay something off over time. And you mentioned creating the habit then of actually paying it off over time versus looking at this number inside of whatever account that you owe and being like, I'm never going to be able to pay that off in full, or I'm never going to be able to make big chips away at that number. And instead, like you said, well, that's not, let's not hold ourselves to accountable to paying it off all at once. We probably put it on a credit card or took out a student loan for the exact purpose of being able to pay it off over time. So chip away at it. Like just make, make the payments, right? Yep. Life is a marathon, not a race. Mm-hmm. That takes so much of the pressure off too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't need to be pressure filled. It's just, that's what we're hearing from society. Yeah. And because they want you to, you know, buy whatever they're selling. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most impactful habits that you have, or even mindset shifts that you have created around money and finances as a whole that have helped you create a successful system for yourself as also somebody who does have, you know, Crohn's and chronic illness to manage your money? Yeah. Great question. I think it's important to start with what are your closely held beliefs about money yeah. What what came up in childhood, and I'll tell you one of mine. Um, so my family was fine growing up. Um, my mom was mostly a stay at home mom, but she did work part time, and my dad worked really really hard. And um, my dad 
is an Enneagram six for people that follow the Enneagram, mm-hmm. um, which is the, the loyal skeptic sometimes is what the six is called. Yep. And my, my mom is an Enneagram seven. I didn't ask them if I can share this, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so she's always in pursuit of pleasure. And so there was this, um, this tension between my dad skepticism and my mom's desire for pleasure and especially around money Mm -hmm. uh, because my parents grew up in different worlds when it came to money and so my perception of our household was that there was never enough Mm -hmm. even though now looking back there was always food on the table we always had what we needed Um, and so I bring that with me and I as a one and my perfectionistic and self-criticism comes into play, I connected money with how good I am. Mm. And that has been something that I've worked on paying attention to. What is the story I'm telling myself? Because when I first got diagnosed with Crohn's disease and the financial piece was huge, mm-hmm. I had a hard time wanting to spend money on my health because in my mind, I thought that I'm going to go back to normal. I shouldn't have to be spending money here. I had to accept that what my diagnosis was and how I was going to um, move forward and be empowered by it, not let it drag me down. Mm-hmm. So I think asking yourself that question, what are my closely held beliefs with money? It's a really hard question to answer mm-hmm. because none of us want to open that door, open that closet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following up with a, you know, Brene Brown question, uh, what is the story I'm telling myself? Yeah. Because that comes up all the time for me. You know, I, every time I'm investing in a supplement that is $150 and I know it's really beneficial, I have that like, <gasps> okay. Is this okay? Yes, yeah. it's okay. Almost like, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, am I worth this? Is my health worth that yep. $150 investment? And you talk about the pre-illness version of you, pre-diagnosis version of you that probably did spend money in a different way. And then through illness, I think you learn a lot of things, but oftentimes your relationship to money might change or shift because your priorities are now shifting and changing. And I think it can be really hard. I resonate with this. It's like all that money that I was spending out at the bar or going to like concerts or like traveling. I did a lot of traveling in my late teens, early twenties. I feel like sort of got uh, rerouted into like a health bucket and into investing in my health. And it was really sad for me for a while that then I wasn't, it wasn't even just that I wasn't spending money in those areas, but that I was spending money on my health. And so felt like, Ooh, I can't do that stuff anymore. And I think there is a grief and a mourning process that we oftentimes go through as our life changes. I, from my perspective, one of the things I've realized though, is that if I had continued spending money on traveling, for example, 
those traveling experiences would not have been fun and not have been good because I felt like shit. Like there were days Mm -hmm. I woke up and I thought I was dying. So I didn't actually want to be traveling, but there was still this old version of me that was like, you're so different now, Sarah. And like a lot of this judgment. So how have you navigated not only the way that you've reprioritize maybe where your money's going as you navigate a chronic illness journey and and a health journey, but also just a previous version of yourself versus the version of you now. Yeah. A lot is coming up for me when you ask that question in college. And I have a very vivid memory of this pre financial planner, pre Crohn's disease warrior. I used to put everything in terms of a $5 Starbucks. <laughs> How many <laughs> lattes is that worth? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I, I can't drink lattes anymore. But back then, <laughs> um, to me, that was uh, something that gave me a lot of happiness and was expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would think if something was $20, is this worth four Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, it's funny. It it is. We laugh now to think about because when you get sick, like you said, your priorities change tremendously. And I haven't talked to anyone really besides my husband about this. But on our first date, I said to him, um, and "This is taken out of context, so so take it for what it is." But I said to him, "I will never quit my job for you." And what I meant by that is I always, being independent was important for me. Yeah. Um, and I had watched my mom make career choices to be able to support my sister and I um, and be there for us. And I had this image that I didn't want to do that. And getting sick, um, it, it's funny because now part of the reason I left my previous position and worked on getting healthy and started this business is so that we could have a family. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just amazing to think back to what my perception used to be. Um, and it also has given me a lot of insight into, I don't, if somebody has to cancel on me, that does not bother me one bit mm-hmm. because it is not about me. I have no idea. You know, I'm not going to, if I have to cancel on someone, I'm not going to give them the gory details yeah. <laughs> about why. Yeah. It's, it's just okay. Everybody is doing what they need to do to support themselves and their bodies. Um, and it, and I, I get the choice to appreciate that. Yeah. It's up to me to make that choice. Yeah. The illness can teach us so much. And there's so many little golden nuggets in what can be, yes, a very challenging path, but there's so much to be gained, so much to be learned through that process. And like just looking at you and hearing your story now, it's illness has led you into a very niche part of the financial planning world that I, mm-hmm. I would assume is very fulfilling for you to be able to help people who Uh, maybe come to you feeling disempowered by money and just show them that like smile and talk about money in a really beautiful way and it doesn't have to be so scary. And who knows if that ever would have been a a choice or decision decision that you made if you hadn't gone through the, walked the path that you've walked to get to here 
now? I'm sure it wouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah, it totally changed my life. And I'm really grateful mm-hmm. because there's a, I've always felt misunderstood. And I think part of that is being an empath and not knowing I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. So twofold. One, we were talking about this before we hit record. I am communicating in ways that most people are not receiving. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to remind myself of that because then when they're responding in a way that, that doesn't feel authentic to mm-hmm. me, it was really exhausting. And I kept thinking, I'm just missing something. Everybody must just be much better at managing this than I am. Mm. And so to come to that realization that as an empath, your neurological system is just built a little bit differently. Yeah. And I need to be better at verbalizing Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling, especially in intimate relationships. Um, my friends and and my husband, because I'm perceiving that I'm giving off all sorts of communication. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you didn't telepathically receive that from me? (laughs) Yeah. And and when you don't have the understanding that other people are, aren't receiving information the way you are. Yeah. It, it, that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that being the empath also, adds to your strength in the role that you play of helping people of like noticing where fear is coming up for them, where hesitation, where judgment, where shame, where like these emotions that um, you don't have to necessarily call people out on to uh, utilize in order to help them. So it's like noticing those subtle energies and feelings in your potential clients or current clients and being able to support them on a deeper level because you're picking up on those things that the average Joe is probably not picking up on. Exactly. And that is one of my favorite parts of being a financial planner is I get to you, like you said, you know, I, I'm not usually saying to a client, Oh, I'm feeling that you're thinking this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just playing a role in how I'm responding to them. Right. And how, because without behavior change, financial planning is just a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to implement it and monitor it and actually do something about it. And I find that so incredibly fun. Yeah. I just love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your knowledge. And I think we said this beforehand. It's like, neither of us are really claiming to be experts or to know everything about money or everything about anything. But I do believe, I truly believe that uh, we still have this, this conversation still adds a lot of value and it brings so many tips and little nuggets of support to people. And if nothing else, like you are not alone wherever you are in your money path, money journey, current circumstances with money uh, as energy you're, you're not alone and there's, there are resources and there are tools to be able to help and to support you. And Annalise is a beautiful resource to get started and to start to make some of those behavioral changes. Like you're saying, it's one thing to have a plan and be like, cool, I'm just going to look at this plan versus let's actually implement this plan and start to shift not only the energy, but the literal behaviors around money. I think that's so, 
so empowering. So love to hear from you. If you just have any other uh, main points or takeaways that you'd love to share with the audience today, anything you feel like they need to know. Give yourself grace, Mm. especially when it comes to money. It, you deserve it. Your worth has nothing to do with how much money you make or what you've done with money in the past. Your worth is just your being. And so that deserves grace and, and your effort. I love that. And I think that's so important and really ties together. uh, What we've, we've mentioned several times is like, there's no judgment here. And uh, oftentimes, even if there's not judgment coming from the external, we're still, we still have an internal judgy voice (laughs) and that is where your tip comes in hand so good and so well is give yourself grace and yeah, just allow yourself to receive, receive the solutions, receive the inspiration, receive the advice to be able to move forward and make change and make difference. Like at any point we can decide to change our trajectory and our pathway forward. So there is hope for all of us. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you also share with the audience? I think you mentioned something about some free resources or courses or something. So how can they learn more about you and, and what do you have for the audience? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. And it's important to me to be able to reach people whether they can afford one-on-one planning or can afford not can't pay anything. Um, you can be your own financial advocate, and so I'm working on a number of free courses um, that will be available to anybody that wants them. They're not out yet, and I'm actually just working on updating my website. But the new website will be www dot rise up f p so r i s e u p f is in frank p so rise up financial planning.com and you can sign up for our email list there our newsletter you'll be the first to know also when they're up and running there'll be a tab right on our website so share all the free resources with all of your friends um, and let me know if there's something you want me to build um, i am happy to do it Mm, that's so helpful. And yeah, you guys go check, go check out Annalise's website because I know I'm going to be tuning into the free courses and just, you have so much to share and so much to offer. So thank you again for your time today. I so appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I recently created a guided hypnosis to support healing on a cellular level more specifically to help boost and heal your immune system, which we can all use more support with. Oftentimes, autoimmune disease, something I talk about very often, is described as the body attacking itself. But your body is never against you. It is naturally a self-healing organism. So think of this hypnosis as an opportunity to heal your relationship with your body and the cells inside your body, as well as to tap back into your body's innate healing abilities. If you're new to hypnosis and aren't sure what to expect, think of it simply as a deeply relaxed and meditative state that allows you to reprogram the subconscious mind and bypass all the ego and conscious thoughts that often stand in the way. It is powerful, it can provide tangible results, 
And this hypnosis to support cellular healing is free for you when you rate and review the Uncensored Empath podcast. Simply go to iTunes and share your honest feedback. Make sure to screenshot your review and then email your screenshot to Sarah with an H at autoimmunetribe.com. And in return, I will email you your free hypnosis. Thank you so much in advance for your support. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. <laughs>